0: It is the best time of the week. It is that time of the week. Welcome inside. This is the JSK Media Sports Podcast. I'm Jonah Kligman. I'm here with Sean Ball. This is the podcast where we hang out, talk sports, going to make some picks. Got a lot of all-star game talk with Major League Baseball, some other things to get into. So stick around. We'll catch you up. We'll have some fun. Whether you're going to sleep, waking up, in a car, working out, however you're listening to this, thanks for being here. Relax, hear the best of your ability, hang out. Let's, uh, let's get this thing going. And before we get into things, I want to make an apology. You know, we always talk about the goats. And when we talk about the goats, we always go with, you know, Shohei Otani. Last week we were talking about, is he the best athlete right now on the planet? We always talk about LeBron as the NBA, as the basketball goat. We always talk about Tom Brady, you know, the most accomplishments. But we're missing the goat of all goats, if you will. And we're missing Joey, and quoting without fully quoting, Joey effing Chestnut. This 4th of July, the rain delay, nor did the rain itself, stop Joey Chestnut from reaching his 16th title. The rain came, he said we're doing this mother effing competition, he went out there, and he won his 16th. Didn't get into the 70s like he usually does with the hot dogs, but he still won his 16th title, eating the most hot dogs in 10 minutes on 4th of July in Coney Island. But listen to this. This is why he's the greatest athlete, Sean, of our generation. He holds 55 world records. That's the world record for world records. We are living amongst a king of eating. And I have to say, this is kind of a parody of what I said last week, but listen, There was an infinite amount of time before I've lived on this earth, and there will be an infinite amount of time after, but I still get to witness the greatest professional eater of all time. But uh, for now, all jokes aside, the hot dog eating contest is always one of my favorite American traditions, and I can't eat more than two hot dogs over like a three-hour span at a baseball game, so I tip my cap to Chestnut and the other competitors for eating a lot more than two hot dogs in 10 minutes.
1: I mean, it's absolutely amazing what they're doing. The The fact that they just are shoving hot dogs down their throat, gulping down water, and in, 70-plus in hot dogs he's eaten in 10 minutes is absurd. I mean, like you said, not only is he just doing with hot dogs, he's doing it with nearly every other food, having the world's record for, was it 55? It's insane and disgusting to watch him eat those foods, but it's it's really so impressive. I mean, like you said, I think I could beat you with maybe four or five hot dogs during a baseball game yeah. if I really wanted to get it try down that? there. But, <laughs> I, listen, I'm nowhere close to getting in the 70s, but I think I think I could beat two. Um, but, it, it's amazing what he's doing.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it's amazing, but let's get into real sports talk. Joey Chestnut, congratulations, but let's get into the real the real nitty-gritty. I want to talk about the NBA, you know, the Summer League started, G League started, but we got some rules and logistics to get into, so let's do it. Firstly, they're testing out here in the Summer League a new flop rule that states if a player is deemed to have committed a flop, the opposing team will be awarded a free throw. So rules rules like this have been around. Some of this has been in college, but never with this severe a penalty. And now the other team will be awarded a full free throw, right, if if, they, uh, if the officials deem a flop. So do you like this? Is this going to ruin pace of play? Do you think this is too much of a penalty for a flop? Do you think flopping's part of the game? What are your thoughts on this? So I
1: like the beginning of the rule. I like starting to think about it. I think there needs to be some sort of flopping penalty. Like you said, college has been implementing it really big in the last couple of years. Because flopping has become more and more of a problem in the NBA to the point where players are making careers and becoming stars or even superstars simply based off flopping in a foul calls. We saw James Harden go through the huge stretch with Houston. Obviously, listen, James Harden has a lot more talent. Without flopping, he'd still be a superstar in the NBA. But that's what pushed him to that MVP is that he'd be shooting 15, 20 free throws a game because he's able to sell it for the refs. So I think having a flopping penalty will really help stop those type of players and stop the flopping and fouls and fouls and fouls that we get from the NBA, but I think the free throw is kind of counterintuitive to what they're trying to do. By stopping the flopping, you're trying to increase the the flow of the game because the, the flopping adds more and more fouls and stops the game, makes it very choppy. So I think it should just be a change of possession and keep the game going. It's just an automatic turnover. I think, the fa- I think the foul shot is going to make the game even more choppier. But I like how they're starting to implement rules against flopping.
0: Yeah, no, that all sounds good. It'll definitely help. You know, we talk about the NBA kind of being soft. We touched on a couple of weeks ago about how Europe is just a different game and a more physical game. So hopefully this flop rule will kind of help, right? The game of basketball looks good, but there's some things that definitely could be dialed in. So hopefully this rule will help do that. In terms of making it you know, more dialed in and more of a product, we talk about the regular season having issues being a great product and they're trying different things. And a couple of weeks ago, it was there were some flurries and some rumors that there would be an in-season tournament, and now that is official. So they're going to have that in-season tournament. It will affect their regular season records. But the incentives for this looks more like cash prizes. Did, did you see they announced what the trophy looked like? Did you see what it looks like? I didn't. What did it look like? It's not the most beautiful trophy. It's almost like a half basketball on top. It's not the most beautiful of trophies. Interesting. But what? Just quick thoughts. I mean, we haven't seen it. I'll I'll touch on it a little after you go ahead. But thoughts on this in-season tournament? Uh, I think it could
1: end up working really well for the NBA, or it could be, or it could do almost nothing and just add into more regular season. I think it's all depending on how the players treat it. Now the NBA is trying to bring more intensity to the regular season, like you said, because people hate on the NBA a lot because of how boring the regular season is. We see load management and players sitting out. They are so, there are so many playoff teams that they don't guaranteed to make the playoffs if they're on a good team already. So the Stars try and sit for the and be ready and healthy for the playoffs. So they're trying to bring some intensity. And if the players come with that sort of pride factor and they want to win, they're playing hard, and it's not all the way to playoff intensity but they're almost there it could be really fun and it could be awesome to watch bring more intensity in NBA regular season but if the players come in like I probably think they will treat it like a normal regular season and if they happen to win they get a trophy I don't think it's going to change that much in the NBA, NBA regular season like players are still playing for the playoffs and that's what they're going to focus on
0: I'm on the same page and first you know, I don't want to judge it before I see it because again, there can be that buy in do. I think there will be no, but again, I don't want to sit here, but this feels more like a money ploy than like making the regular season relevant ploy. And that's my issue. It seems more like great primetime games in Vegas, right? Those last two rounds are going to be in Las Vegas, you know, primetime. I just don't see the incentives. Why is this like any other game? What's the prestige? And winning it, and you kind of talked about getting that buy-in. NBA needs to do whatever it takes to get the Jokic's and the Giannis's and even the Lebrons to buy in and say, "I, I don't know what they do because I don't think money's going to do it. I don't think there's any prestige. Right? The highest prestige is winning the championship. I don't know what there is, but is that pride? Gonna- I don't know. It feels uh, it feels kind of hokey. Kind of reminds me of you know soccer and some things they do internationally, but. I'll wait and see. It's definitely new. It's definitely, you know, it is sort of exciting, but I just, you know, what makes it, what makes it different? Like who cares about winning? You know, it's a, it's a participation, you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm -hmm. I agree.
0: Yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting. Any, just summer league just got underway. Anything sticking out besides Wemby, uh, Wemby not looking like Wemby? I mean.
1: I mean, we saw it with a lot of the rookies. I'm actually I'm going to summer league in a couple of weeks, so I'm pretty excited yeah. about that. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going for the last couple of days of the playoffs. So, oh, that'll be
0: fun. Are you going just be, for that'll that? That'll be really
1: fun. Yeah, I'm going to Vegas for like. Oh, that'll be fun. Thirty hours literally just to go to summer league. So that'll be fun. I mean, a lot of a lot of rookies have been kind of disappointing, but that's what you're expecting. They've barely been able to practice with their teams, kind of thrown into this. So, give it a, give it another week, and I think we'll see Wemby and Brandon Miller and Scoot. Um, playing how we expect them to.
0: All right, what I'm about to say isn't my point, but I want to say it first, is I want to note that over the weekend, the Guardians' 3-0 to win over the Royals took one hour and 51 minutes. That is the fastest nine-inning Major League Baseball game since 2010. So once again, we've said it a million times, pitch clock is working. I forget it's even there. But more importantly, what I do want to touch on, what's so, so, so good for baseball is that the no hitters are starting to come. And I talked about it a little bit last week, but the fact that the, I I was saying all off season, I, I think I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. I was saying all off season, they need that first no hitter to come because if those no hitters don't come, you're losing this point of baseball. And the fact that the first no hitter with the new rules was a perfect game was awesome. And then we just had a combined no-hitter Saturday for the Tigers. So really good for the game of baseball that not only are these new rules working, not only is the game quicker, the pace of play, not only is there more offense, but those things we love, that history that goes straight to the Hall of Fame and no-hitters are perfect games are showing up instantly. So congratulations for the Tigers. You know, Sean, I looked at a list of when the team had their last no-hitter, con- including combined, The Cleveland Indians slash Guardians haven't had. A no hitter since nineteen eighty one.
1: That's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I completely agree with what you're saying, and all these changes to increase offense. The fact that it's increasing offense and still bringing us the defense and pitching stats we love. It's I really have never seen a change to this to any professional sport that's worked out this well this fast. I mean, I I haven't really seen any problems with what they're going on, with what's happening with the pitch clock, the bigger bases, everything that's going on has been working really well for the game of baseball. So I'm really impressed with how they did it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about all year about the state of the game and the rules, but I don't think we're giving giving enough credit to the players because right now we are in a place where there are so many stars that are so different from each other in play style and their swag and in representation style, I mean, the list goes on, you know, Otani, Acuna, Tatis, Betts, Judge, Soto, and then some new guys, you know, Randy Rosarina, now Corbin Carroll, now Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, the star-studded list of Major League Baseball players right now is so long, and just they're star-studded, and it feels like they're starting to get this representation, they're starting to feel like stars, but the talent level of baseball right now is so good. And the game is in such good hands. And it felt like, not that there was this dip, but a couple of years ago it was like, you had the Trouts, Betts was on the Ups. But right now, there's so many great players and the game is in such good hands. And again, seeing these new guys, I'd be shocked if Eli la Cruz isn't one of the best players for 10 years, along with Arena and Corbin Carroll. So the young guys are making instant impacts and the primetime guys are being primetime we'll get into bets a little later he is being primetime but we always talk about the rules we're giving credit to Manfred and the rest of the executives and the owners but right now these players hats off to you guys you guys are putting on a product on the field right now that we're enjoying so much so thank you and uh keep going but what a what a talented group of men leading the game we love
1: absolutely and and what i really love about this group is the amount of energy they bring to the game. I remember a couple years back when it was like, let the kids play was a big marketing strategy for the MLB that was going all around their commercials and everything. And now getting to see a bunch of mostly young guys taking over the game of baseball, doing things we've never seen before, watching a six foot five shortstop come up, hitting the ball 115 or more miles per hour off the bat. You know, he he's just so amazing seeing all these guys what they do even sing to tease so whatever whatever you feel about him but people chanting steroid at him and he's you know orchestrating the music or doing a dance they bring so much energy to the game of baseball all their antics are so much fun to watch and and they back it up with their game so it's it's amazing that we get to see this talented of young players carrying the game of baseball
0: All right, let's get right into things. Let's deep dive into some of those players we've mentioned. Let's start with Ellie De La Cruz, a man that has burst onto the scene better than I think I've ever seen. Ellie De La Cruz went viral for good reason Saturday, getting hit an RBI single and then stole every base. He stole second, third, and home on three pitches. I mean... Ooh, uh, is there ever a player who made an instant impact and lived up to their skills like like this? Like, that's my question to you. Is have I mean, it sort of reminds me of Puig. I felt like in, uh, I'm pretty sure, 2013, they called him up in June. He got some MVP votes. He burst onto the scene. It was Puig mania. But Ellie De La Cruz, I don't remember a player making an instant impact this quick. And it's, you know, going back to Puig. It's 10 years later. It's a harder game. So he's doing more than I can remember anyone doing instantly in a game that's so much harder. Also short off the arm the other day. I mean, this just feels so unique. And then like also some things that are just like badass. Last week, they checked his bat early in the game. And then he went deep later in that game, signaled to the bat during his home run, Sally. Like, Blue, you can't stop me. So dude's got swag. He's got skill. He's got it all. And uh, it continues to come instantly in the majors. Do, I mean, do, do you feel like you've ever seen this? Uh, not at all.
1: What he's able to do in a baseball field is amazing. He's so talented in so many different ways. He can really do everything you ask for. He has the power and talent of a hitter. Watching him hit balls I mean, that first series, his debut series against the Dodgers, hits one of his second game to the last row just crushing balls we saw the upper 90s across the diamond and then as fast or not faster than any person in baseball that has the swag and the antics that all the fans love and everyone loves to see I mean Queig was great in his years but I think Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz is going to be a household name in baseball for the next 10 to 15 years he's just so talented and and if he can continue to produce to this level, you're gonna we're going to be talking about his name for a long time.
0: All right. So let's now talk about a guy who we have been talking about for a long time, but right now is really showing why he is a household name in Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is on another planet right now. Most lead off home runs in a year for the Dodgers ever at 10 before the break. So like he's going to set the bar high and I'm pretty sure he's going to be setting the bar for himself. One of two players to hit 10 leadoff home runs before the All-Star break, joining Barry Bonds in 1973. And aside just from those leadoff homers, he's on fire in those back three at-bats. It's not like he's just leading off with home runs and doing nothing, going one for four. He has 26 home runs this year, has a 9.65 OPS, catching up to Acuna in in the NL MVP race. The reason he's my MVP right now, I mean, Acuna's hitting better, The reason right now, if Mookie Betts continues, he has the edge for me. Well, for one, he's hitting better than he's ever hit in his career. But two, he's playing and rotating through three different positions. He had 12 extra base hits and uh, 12 walks in a 10-game span and played three different positions in that span. He's on fire while playing shortstop, second base, and right field, all at a gold-caliber level, so to code-switch from those combinations positions play those positions at a high level is extremely impressive Mookie Betts is the definition of a superstar he's Hollywood he wears cool sunglasses he has he wears the chains he's also family guy he's also plays at a high level I mean he's the definition of a franchise player the definition of a superstar
1: Absolutely. I mean, I remember hearing a story earlier this year about how his wife gave birth. I think it's her second or third child, and he was in the hospital all night, all through the day. He drives from the hospital to a Dodgers game, gets to the locker room and around the second inning, puts on his gear, runs into the dugout, gets subbed into the game at shortstop for his first game at shortstop in years, I think it was. Has a single-handed double play in his first inning. I mean, the fact that he can step up. And play at a Gold Glove caliber level at almost any position in the baseball field. He's only played those three, but you put him at third, you put him in center, you put him in left. He's doing it too. He's so amazing. He's a true five tool player that can do everything on a baseball field. And that power hitting has been phenomenal this year. So I'm excited to see him in the home run derby, and hopefully, he can keep us going because he's he's carrying the Dodgers right now. He's just amazing
0: they added the utility position to Gold Glove this offseason. Is Mookie Betts going to be the first National League utility Gold Glover?
1: He should. Yeah, right? If he doesn't get a Gold Glove for something, there's something wrong.
0: I wonder if they added a a utility Silver Slugger. That's, That's something to definitely check on. But there's a guy I want to give credit where credit is due. We've given this guy a very hard time, but Alec Manoa came back and he went six innings, five hits, no walks, eight Ks, and just one earned run. So a great start back in Major League Baseball. We've been hard on him, but we got to tip our cap. He deserves it. I'd love if he could continue like this. Listen, when we were talking about his rough
1: start in rookie league, I was just hoping he could make a return to the MLB because we know how much talent he has and what he can do when his stuff is working at MLB level. He's an all star. So I'm happy to see him back and producing and hopefully he can keep it going.
0: All right, before we get into the fun stuff in the home run derby and the All-Star game, we got to talk about Shohei Otani and not just talk about how amazing he is and spill some stats and we got to talk about something else. But before we talk about that something else and have a discussion, we do got to talk about how amazing he is. So he is now the only MLB player to hit 32 home runs before the all. No, not the only. He is now on a list of MLB players to hit 32 home runs before the All-Star game more than once. He is now in company with Babe Ruth, Mark McGuire, Griffey Jr., Sammy Sosa, and now Shohei Ohtani. So he is in good company, hitting 32 home runs before the All-Star break, twice. Listen to this. MLB leader in home runs, Shohei Ohtani. MLB leader in triples, Shohei Ohtani. The guy who leads in triples is supposed to be a Corbin Carroll, a Trey Turner, right? Or uh, uh yeah. a, a, a now D-Strange Gordon but the fact that the guy leading in home runs is also leading in a great speed stat is just amazing. Played the Dodgers, double shy of the cycle and a sack fly, and he lost by five. So if you're a team not named the Angel, and especially if you're a team named the Dodgers, and you want any edge to get him in free agency, whenever the Angels lose, it helps the cause. And whenever he has a night like that, and loses it helps the cause. A double shy of the cycle. He needed a double in his last at bat. Instead he had a sack fly. And his team lost 10-5. to Since 2018. Since joining the Angels. He's been on the roster now for 6 years. They have a .466 winning percentage. So here's my question. If you're the Angels. Would you trade him? And if you're a, another team. Would you acquire him? Is it worth giving up 5 top prospects. And the Angels have said, they've gone public, that they do want major league-ready players who are on contract for at least three, four, five years who are playing in the major leagues now, not just the prospects. So first, go ahead, talk about how great Shohei is, and then I just want to talk about and just have a discussion. I mean, the Angels have to trade him, but do you think they will, and would you, and then, as a Dodger fan, would you want to see them giving up a lot at the deadline for Shohei. Yeah, I mean, Shohei is phenomenal. Uh, I, like
1: we said, and I still stand by it, he is the best athlete on the planet right now in any sport. What he is doing in the game of baseball is unheard of. It's You can't even find a comparison to him for another sport. There, there's no comparison to what he's doing to any other athlete in any other sport because it's so amazing. So if I was the Angels, you know he's not going to resign. You know, this is contract year. He's gonna sign a huge hundreds of six hundred plus million dollar contract somewhere else. So you might as well trade him. You might as well get what you can get. You're gonna get even if you trade him as a rental for a team for six months, you're gonna get a boatload of prospects and MOE players. So if I was the Angels, I'm trading him. He wants to leave. You're gonna get more from trading him. So it's time. You're not competing for a World Series. You're barely even competing for a playoff spot. It's time to get rid of him. And then if I'm a team trading for him, let's say I'm a Dodgers, you're gonna have to give up everything. You know that, like you said, multiple high prospects and MLB starters. And and if we are gonna if we are guaranteed to then sign him for that multi year huge contract, I'm willing to give up anything. Anything's on the board, no one's off the board to get him. If if we are guaranteed to sign him for that six hundred plus million dollar, you know, ten year contract. If we're only gonna have him for half a year, I don't know if I'd do it. For that much, I don't think it's worth it. But if we're guaranteed to sign him, I'm I'm giving up anything.
0: The Angels are forty five and forty six. They've lost five in a row, one and nine in the last ten, five back of a wild card spot. So for a while, always hey, if they're contenders you got to kind of keep him. They're not a contender. They're, They're not, contenders. not. Mike Trout's nope. now down with the wrist. They said four to eight weeks. They're not a contender. So, if I'm an Angel fan, I'm begging that he's not resigning with the Angels. No, and he's not. And if he does, he would never. I don't know him. I don't know his psyche, but I don't believe that he'd hold it against them for trading him he understands they are not contenders he and he knows he's the best player in baseball and he knows how much they can get so i think he too with respect to the angels is hoping to get traded and i'm sure he wants to go to a contender but in terms of acquiring him i'm on the same page right i it's a case to case i don't think he sends the dodgers over the top right now i don't uh, i don't think the dodgers have the assets with or without shohei otani they could win the World Series, but I wouldn't sell the farm and frankly wouldn't sell any major league players to have him for the back three, four months of this 2023 major league season. But it's going to be a really interesting deadline because there are a lot of contenders. And again, why is the game of baseball so good right now? Because there's so many contenders and there's really no juggernauts. It was the Rays. They're they're on a losing streak. They've yep. fallen off. The Braves... Yeah, they're one of the best teams, but it's are they playing out of their minds? Sort of, but there's no insane team. There's no super team, but there's also very few awful teams. There's just a lot of contenders, which is why this trade deadline is so interesting because teams who are three, four, five games back, where usually they would be buyers, this year they might be sellers because there is that that top of the class. And a lot of top of the class, a lot of people who need to buy. So a really interesting trade deadline. It's going to be really fun to cover here on the podcast. But before we get to the trade deadline on August 1st, we have the All-Star game. So before we get into All-Star game stuff, or rather now we're in it, but before we talk game stuff, I just want to say I'm still so upset about the change to wear these alternative jerseys. I think the the most beautiful thing was them wearing their own jerseys just with an All-Star patch. And yeah, it's for money, but they had the alternative jerseys. In years past, they had special, whatever, orange, blue, or whatever themed jerseys. This year, they look like independently, like a men's league Mariners themed jerseys for an all-class All-Star game. It makes no sense. I really don't like it. I was at the All-Star game last year. I was disappointed I didn't get to see them. It's been since pretty sure Colorado, where they haven't worn them, so... I don't know if they'll ever bring it back. It just seems unnecessary and and still feels like a money ploy. But hopefully there's enough backlash in the next few years where they will go back to wearing their regular uniforms, which is a patch. And even aside from alternative jerseys, sell jerseys with the patch. I mean, wouldn't you buy a Dodger jersey, a regular Dodger white or gray jersey with a star that says how many times, let's say Freddie or Mookie? Or even buy a Will Smith one with a one as it's his first time being an All-Star.
1: I mean, I would buy that kind of jersey before I buy one of these ugly All-Star jerseys or are making why now. why would I
0: have a Mariner's jersey with M- with bets on the back? That makes no exactly. sense. Exactly.
1: I want the Dodgers jersey. I want to show the team within the player, within the All-Star game. So, not only are they ruining that, but they're also making ugly jerseys, so it's... A double loss within it.
0: Well, that's with these ugly jerseys. Why can't they make nice jerseys? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a graphic designer, so I don't want to sit here and say I design a better jersey. But you'd think one of the four major sports in North America and in a, in in the United States could make better jerseys.
1: Yeah, I I agree. They how can they not find someone that can make something better than that?
0: I don't know. Again, it could be a Great Britain type thing where, right? We never for 30 years. I mean, I mean, I don't know, but. Up until they made, nobody talked about the All-Star Game jerseys. And then the second they make them change and ugly, everyone's talking about them. So all press is good press. But I do want to talk about, it used to be home field advantage. It used to be that those, the team who won the All-Star Game would get home field advantage. So if the AL won, whatever AL representative in the World Series would get home field advantage. But they changed that. It, it went back and forth in the early 2000s. But since 2017, it's been fixed that now it's the best record who gets home field in our baseball championship but now that it's kind of irrelevant doing this AL NL thing i saw someone online so whoever, credit to to them but they thought like kind of ride the piggyback of the world baseball classic maybe do like a USA versus the world thing i just maybe there's a way to change it so it's not AL NL is that an issue for you that having ALNL, or you think it's fine, or would you like to see like a USA versus the world? I mean,
1: I don't think the ALNL is is terrible. I don't think it like is a must switch that needs to be the first thing in the MLB's mind this coming off season. But I think the US versus Worlds would be really fun. I think there it'd be a lot more entertained, entertaining. I think the players would care more kind of prove it to themselves fight for their country you know whenever you see these guys wearing a usa on their jersey or other countries wearing their their country's name they always have a little more incentive to win a little more to fight for so i think it'd be more entertaining
0: all right all-star game who's your pick to win al nl and mvp i'll start i oh, actually i'll start okay go ahead i'm gonna take the nl the al's been insane the past decade and beyond but it is time to change that. The NL is the heavyweight this year. It always seems like the AL has been better last five, six, seven years. Just better teams. But it's time. And I, I mean, I say the AL is better the grass is always greener. But I'm going to go NL. And my MVP, Wilkie Betts. He is hitting home run in this All-Star game. Who you got? I'm, I'm going to take the NL too.
1: I agree with you. I think that they are the juggernaut they have more stars more guys playing and even the AL has a couple of their you know trouts out judges out they're missing some guys um but I'm I'm gonna see Acuna for my MVP it's been phenomenal all year he's probably the NL MVP favorite right now right in there with Mookie but he'll he'll continue that phenomenal half of a year he's had and get the all-star game MVP all
0: right home run derby you like the home run derby lineup It's kind of interesting. It's interesting. It's really interesting. I think it'll be fun. All right. First round, we're going to each make our bracket here. Luis Robert Jr. and Adley Rushman. I'm going to go with Luis.
1: Me too. I'm with you with that.
0: All right. Next, we got a Rosarina and a Dallas Garcia. I
1: have a Rosarina.
0: Me too. Okay, Mookie Betts and Vladdy. Give me Mookie, give me Mookie. He's on fire. All right, this is a toughie. This is an early for me. This is an early like oh, I gotta pick sides. We got Petey, got the polar bear, we got J Rod, the hometown, uh, the hometown representative. This is tough. This, I mean, this could be the finals. That's what I'm
1: saying. But I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take Pete. I'm taking the polar bear. I'm going to even, go. Even
0: in, even in Seattle. All right. I'm going to go Julio. Okay. Now we got Luis Robert Jr. and a Rosarina.
1: I'm going to take a Rosarina. Send him to the finals. He's been so okay. good this year.
0: I also have a Rosarina going to the finals. The next one, Bets and J Rod for me. Originally, I was going to go Mookie Bets, but as we're doing it now, because I. If i got to take. J Rod in the first round, I got to send him to the final. So, I thought Mookie Bet. I don't know. I'm gonna go J Rod over Mookie <laughs> Betts. Who do you got, Julio Rodriguez, or I guess rather Pete Alonzo and Mookie Betts? I'm
1: taking Alonzo.
0: Yeah. All right. Who you got winning it all?
1: It's Alonzo. You're going Petey? I'm going Pete. I'm gonna He's go back. Julio. I'm gonna go Julio Rodriguez. You know he missed out last year. He's back. This is this is his year.
0: It was fun in 2021. And then it was really fun his first year in 2020. Just couldn't yeah. do the job at Dodger Stadium, but he's going to be back on top.
1: He's back. Pacific he's Northwest.
0: Back. Yep. All right. All right. I like to hear it. Cannot wait for the All-Star game. Excited for? Home Run Derby? I love the Home Run Derby. Best exhibition. It's so much fun. We talked about it. I, do, I also talked about how the MLB All-Star game is the best All-Star game because you can't fake a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. So that'll okay. be fun too, but I love the Home Run Derby. It means it's summer. It's so much fun, but after the Home Run Derby, after the All Star Game, after the little break, they're going to be back to games, weekend games, in which we have to choose a lock before our next pod. So we're limited to those weekend games, but nonetheless, it is lock o'clock. We both got the dub last week, so nice work. I'm ten and four. You're thirteen and one. I give you a hard time about the four game set. The Reds did not have a hard time in that four game suite uh, in the four game set as they swept the Nats in those four games, but uh. Who's your lock? Again, limited to the weekend series and we're running out of teams as we head through the halfway point of this 2023 major league season. But with your strategy with these weekend series is, Sean, who's your lock? I'm back
1: to my early season strategy. It took me to a lot of wins. Pick against the A's. Give me the twins playing the A's. Worst team in baseball and
0: they'll get a series win. I like it. I like it. All right. I'm going to go Mariners. They're home for a while. They got the break being there. Tigers coming to town seems pretty easy to me. So those locks, you're going with the Minnesota Twins, and I'm going with the Seattle Mariners. Seattle's relevant. Going Seattle Mariners this weekend. But something we haven't done in a little while, I wanted, before we get into some other stuff and move away from Major League Baseball, we haven't done power rankings in a while, and in an honor, guess not an honor, but due to the fact that we're heading into the break, it seems like we got to do a first half pre All-Star break power rankings you go ahead Sean go 10 to 1 and if you want to throw in any reasonings for any maybe certain decisions that were tough of course throw them in there that's why we're here
1: so I'm um, starting at the bottom at 10 I
0: have the Blue Jays
1: I have a surprise team with the Marlins at 9 I've, lo- I've really liked them this year I like seeing okay. how hard they're playing and getting some wins in there the Yankees at 8 Astros at 7 Orioles at 6 Diamondbacks at five, Dodgers at four, Rangers at three, Rays at two, and the Braves are at one.
0: Yeah. So I'll go through mine. But yeah, the Braves, since we've lost done these power rankings, definitely made the switch. The Rays have been uh they've been struggling. They've really been struggling. They finally snapped their loss streak, but three and seven their last ten. And Braves have more wins. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you look at the uh the divisional standings, The Baltimore Orioles are now two games back of the Rays, which is, God, if you would have told me that a couple of years ago, I would not have believed you. But let's get into my power rankings. So I also got the Blue Jays at 10. I threw the Phillies on there at nine. In front of them, the Yankees. Astros at seven. D-backs at six. Looking at the top five, I got Dodgers sitting in the five spot. The Orioles, whom I just talked about at four. Top three, Rangers. Rays at two. And then the, the big Atlanta Braves. They're the team to beat right now. We said that about the Dodgers yep. last year. It doesn't mean much in baseball, but right now it feels like the only team that can stop them is themselves. But uh, yeah, good power rankings. Who's who, who's going to have a great second half that maybe didn't have a great first half? I like the
1: Phillies in there. I think the Phillies will start to get hot. I think they'll start to come back. They're not quite on my power rankings, but they would be right outside. I think they're going to have a strong second half. And Sad to say it. I think the Padres are going to have a pretty good second half. I think they're finally going they to start to play. I think they're going to start to come back nuts. in this race. Have you seen yeah. Snell?
0: Yeah. With uh, Gary? Yeah, these has been yeah. nuts. I, I think the Padres think is, is a good choice. teams. Yeah, yeah. Padres, good choice. I like the Phillies. I'm going to go Dodgers, too. Yeah? I, I think, yeah. I think they'll have a good second half. They'll do some stuff at the deadline. I don't want them to do anything crazy. Joe okay. Dude, that'd be nuts. So Hey, Anywhere he gets dealt, it's going to be fun. Oh, but, my, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. No, that'll be that'll be fun. Can't wait for the All Star game. All right, again, leading up to training camp. Leading up to uh, August and into the 2023, 2024 NFL season, we are predicting the division. We are moving across the United States with the AFC. We did AFC West last week. This week we will do the AFC North. Sure, this will be pretty similar. But uh, give it to me. I have a sort
1: of bottom with the Steelers. And the top, I have the Bengals. And these middle two, I'm really close with. And I think, honestly, can switch. And I think it's just depending on Deshaun Watson. But right now, I'm going to have the Ravens at two, Browns at three. So Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers. But I think if Watson can come back to that Houston Texans form, those Browns could hop to two.
0: Yeah, I mean for me I'm also going Steelers 4, also going Browns 3. Ravens Bengals is tough. Interesting. But uh it's got to be Bengals. I I mean I have the same list as you trying to I mean this this seems like conservative. But uh yeah, we'll see. It, it's definitely a fun division. Oh yeah, absolutely. So much talent. A lot of talent and of course uh Lamar's back. But uh all right, let's head right into our fun question. Fun leading up with NFL stuff, but uh, let's go to our fun question. So, Dead or Alive, Sean, dream home run derby lineup. They give you magical skills, and for three hours, everyone's going to be alive in this fictional world. Who's your eight on the bracket? Who you got? I, I mean, I got to start at the top.
1: Give me Barry Bonds. Steroids or nothing, I don't care. You got to Me too. Barry you got to throw
0: Barry Bonds on there, obviously.
1: So, I went Barry Bonds, Babe Ruth. Hank Aaron, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Ken Griffey. Then I'll go to more recent and, I'll, and give me Stanton. I and like Tony. All right, I just want—I want to see five hundred plus foot bombs. Yeah. every single one, and that I eight. Mean
0: Barry Bonds with the balls that the juice now. Juice oh with God. juice. Um, yeah, I got Barry Bonds. I got Babe Ruth, Ken Griffey Jr. I didn't go Sammy Sosa. I had to go Mark McGuire, Bo Jackson. Frank Thomas, I mean, oh. yeah, Both Frank Thomas, interesting. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, I like your Stanton pick, another pick, maybe Jose Canseco, but these are my big eight, and Trout Otani, Frank Thomas, Jackson, McGuire, Griffey, Ruth, and Bonds, so. Yeah, the big names. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, this year just doesn't feel like a lot of stars, last year there's a lot, it was in LA, but uh, it, it should be uh, should be fun nonetheless, but I got a I gotta game for you. It's on theme, it's not hard, it's not long. Um guess the uh I guess I should add this up real quick because I have the record of all star game, like let me add this up for you real quick. You'll see why in a sec. Okay. There have been ninety two all star games in major okay. league baseball. Yeah, 92. What's the record? Okay. What's it, like the ALNL record? Yeah, who ha- who is winning and what's the record?
1: Okay, 92. I'm going to say it's AL.
0: Yeah. It's AL. I'll give you a clue. There's a t- there's, I'll give you a clue. There's two ties. So now give me 90. There's two ties. So
1: 90. So I'm going to go somewhere around like Forty nine, forty one, somewhere in there. Forty seven and forty three. Mm. that's pretty good. Two ties. When? When were the ties?
0: I don't know. That's not part of the game. It's long ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, we got a got a fun week. The Dodgers don't play until Friday, but we got some fun stuff inside of there. So, good pod, fun week. Any any last thoughts, Sean? Anything you want to leave the fans with? I'm just excited for that home run derby. I can't wait. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. You've been listening to the JSK Media Sports Podcast. Go check out our Instagram and Twitter, JSK Media Sports. Give us a rating if you'd like. Consider sharing our podcast. Build up this JSK Media family. But thanks so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back here next time to break everything, uh, break down the All-Star game and everything. So uh, we'll see you next time.